Welcome to the discussion, How Technology Can Rev Up Federal Talent and Skill Development, sponsored by IBM. Here's today's moderator, Tom Timmon. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM US Federal. Emily, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. And our topic is talent, talent acquisition, skills development, big challenges across the government. Almost every agency talks about these. From your standpoint, what do you think are the principal workforce challenges that the government is facing nowadays? So I'd, I'd say three big ones. Um, top of mind is the same challenge that the federal agencies have in common with private industry. Uh, keeping up with the pace of change. You know, agencies are trying to meet the needs of more diverse growing constituencies. There's more complexity. They're adopting new technology to deliver that mission. And that's creating a big skills gap, right? And we're seeing the same thing in, in federal agencies as private sector is what these agencies and these businesses need in order to be successful to deliver that mission and what they actually have. And it's creating this really complex cycle of workforce planning, of trying to look out into the future and predict what they're going to need two, three, four years from now and figure out how they grow those skills with their current workforce, how they acquire those skills, you know, through recruiting and hiring. Um, and what are, how do they plan for skills that maybe they're not, the, the workforce resilience in order to adopt new skills that they're not even aware of yet. Like, so I put that first on the list. Yeah, it sounds like then they have kind of a continuum of issues. One is recruiting people, that is the acquisition of talent, but then there are the people they have, the 2 million, pe two million people that are in the government that's that right. need reskilling, skills development. I mean, is that a good way to put it? Uh, that's absolutely a great way to put it. Um, you know, and, and that topic of talent acquisition, you know, it's, it's near and dear to my heart personally in some of the, the areas, one of the areas that I'm very focused on. Um, but think about this. So think about the model right, the standard for agencies is an average of an 80-day hiring cycle. Like, do you want to wait 80 days to get your next job? You know, if you're the manager, you know, you probably started that process well in advance of that 80 days because you might not even be able to start recruiting for that position until somebody actually leaves it. So you might be without that skill for even longer. Now that 80-day standard is an average. Some jobs will take less to fill, but some jobs will take even more. Right, and in today's workforce, they don't wanna wait that long, right? And the government can't afford to have so many positions open for that long period of time and, and be missing those critical skills. Um, so that is a yes, huge- a, I was gonna say there's even a shortage in some cases. I can think of one major department just the other day that hired a new chief data officer, but they recruited someone from another agency where they already had that job. Maybe that's because it takes so long to find someone first to locate and identify the talent and then to bring them into the government. You've got a long cycle there. And that's a really important point too, and a, an important strategic shift that the federal government needs to make in order to be competitive for talent in the marketplace. You know, they, it's those same sets of skills. It's those technical skills, it's the IT skills, it's mathematics, it's statisticians, it's data science, things like that. Um, private industry is recruiting for those and they're recruiting in advance of demand. You know, they're building relationships with candidates. They're curating experiences to attract those people to come work for their company. 
And that is this, the important shift that these agencies need to make as well, is looking at what those critical occupations are, getting out in front of actually posting the requisition, finding and curating candidates. So then when that job opens up, you've already got a built pipeline that you can encourage to apply for the job. And do you think maybe agencies sometimes spend a little bit too much time navel gazing? That is to say, in trying to do workforce planning, perhaps they should look out further, see what are industry looking for. And maybe that's a good clue as to what government might need, because in many ways they perform similar functions across a lot of different domains. Yes, uh, absolutely. Right. And, and that is an important role that technology can play in helping with the workforce planning. How do you marry up the insights that you have inside of your own four walls, inside of your agency? You know, how do you lever, leverage the structured data that sits in your systems and unstructured data that you have around your mission to crystallize what are those most critical skills and marry those up with industry insights um, to pay attention to what's going on outside your four walls and to inform that workforce planning. So the old, you know, method of position management and tables of authorities and how do you plan for the future and how do you do all this in Excel, it's, it's a big shift that these agencies have to start to make, you know, that, that uses um, analytics and artificial intelligence to, to forecast what they're going to need, you know, looking out in the future, but do so in an agile way that they're able to revisit and refresh and replan um, continuously um, and be able to adjust their strategy as new and, and bring in new information over time. And you mentioned artificial intelligence, and maybe that's one of the skills they need not only to apply that technology to finding skills, but they need that expertise in the government. I take IBM itself as an example. Many years ago, it had thousands of machinists building hardware. Now it's a, <laughs> a services company and Watson and all of these artificial intelligence types of applications. So maybe briefly before the break, what are some of the specific skills that seem to be in short supply for government and probably for industry also? So no surprise, right? Um, cybersecurity is another one that's hugely important, right? And so timely with the recent uh, coverage, you know, in the news around the exposure, you know, uh, the solar winds exposure, um, artificial intelligence, but that's, there's a lot that's embedded in AI, you know, there's machine learning, there's specific programming languages, there's cloud computing, that's a big part of AI. So if you take the very broad topic and start to break it down, there's a lot of subsidiary skills and knowledge that's necessary. Um, but something that's really interesting. So IBM, the Institute for Business Value, you know, is constantly studying these different trends that are going on in the workforce, in companies, and they take a global view. And you know, within the last couple of years, went out and asked over a thousand leaders around the world, uh, business and government, like what are those most critical skills? And we saw a big shift in our last, the last time we asked that question. So technology skills, STEM skills have been at the top of the list. Um, they're still in the top 10, but they're in the bottom half of the top 10. And what's in the top 10 now are things like teamwork and communication and intellectual curiosity and time management. So what we're seeing is those technical skills are really important, uh, but they're not sufficient because the technical skills 
have to be constantly refreshed. So we're looking for people that come in, you know, with those skills, but also the ability, the curiosity and the impetus to continue to reskill themselves. All right, we're going to delve into that more right after the break, but let's take a short break. My guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM U.S. Federal. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is how technology can rev up federal talent and skills development, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. Today's government agencies have a significant gap between the skills they have and the skills they need. How can agencies keep up with talent demands while also meeting their mission objectives? build and acquire the workforce of the future with IBM. Many agencies have turned to the cloud and artificial intelligence to support the modern workforce. IBM can help you build and acquire the workforce of the future. To learn more, go to federalnewsnetwork.com. Search IBM. Welcome back to our discussion, how technology can rev up federal talent and skill development, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM US Federal. I'm Tom Temin. And Emily, before the break, you were talking about the change in emphasis in surveys of talent acquisition people, HR people, Chicos, that showed that, yes, those STEM-specific skills are needed, but also there are a lot of soft, almost humanistic skills, poetic skills that are equally needed. I guess then the rationale being that the skills themselves don't last in terms of their utility very long because of changing technology. What you need is people to adopt as the skills needed change. Is that a good way to put it? Or that's, a, that's a great way to, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, and let me add a little something though to your question. So when we go out and we collect this data, we ask, you know, C-suite leaders, you know, secretary, minister level folks uh, across the board, right? So this is the point of view of the CEOs, of the chief operating officers, of the, you know, secretaries of these agencies, the the ministers of these agencies. So it's not just that, you know, HR perspective or the learning perspective, it's the people that are out there delivering the work and responsible for the work as well. Um, But, you know, to your key question, Yes. So one of the things that we've learned is, you know, if you think about your technical skills as tools in your tool belt, you know, the old model was half of those tools would be obsolete in the next five years. Um, But the pace of change has accelerated so much that that half-life, you know, is now two years, uh, which means that, you know, we are all in this constant reskilling process. And the other thing that we've learned is the amount of time necessary to build expertise in these new, more complex technical skills, that has increased dramatically. Um, so kind of the old standard was an average of about three days worth of investment. So that might be classroom training, that might be apprenticeship, a lot of different models that that could take, but about three days worth of time to master a new skill, that's increased by 10x. Right, that's now 30 days because of the complexity that goes into many of these things. Um, so that is really a, a dramatic shift in the investment necessary just to keep up with the pace of change and to master these new, more complex skills. And how does that affect the idea of hiring based on skills rather than on, say, pedigree or degree? That's been an initiative for some time that's growing. You see, It seems to be growing in the federal government is the idea of except if you have to be a surgeon, you need board certification and certain education. But many, many jobs, people can learn that skill without having had formal training in it 20 years ago when they were in college. With that rapid decay and the slowness that it takes to acquire new skills, is skills-based hiring as opposed to degree-based hiring 
still a viable way for agencies to think about this? It's a, it's a great technique um, for agencies to think about it. And it's, I think, a really important move that the Trump administration made was to shift that emphasis to skills-based hiring. Um, and I hope it's one that will continue going forward. All right. So think about the traditional education model. You know, you walked away with a high school degree or college degree or an advanced degree, right? That was a credential that said that you had mastered something. Well, now we're taking that and breaking it down to a lower level of detail to say, these are the skills that you've mastered. This is your level of mastery. But then what's also important is you're able to take that with you, right? And you're able to present and share those skills. You can either prove it through an assessment in the hiring process, you know, or maybe it's a, something like a badge or a certificate that you take with you that you can present as a candidate for another job, you know, or potentially as a candidate for promotion that shows that you have, you've achieved that level of skill mastery moving forward. Then it's important that the ability to acquire new skills is itself a skill that someone would want to demonstrate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um, and that's, you know, that, that constant leaning forward into what's new, what's next, how do I get deeper into the skills that I currently have and what are the next set of skills that I need in my role to be successful, you know, is, is really important. And Younger workers, as they are coming into the workforce, you know, the millennials and the Generation Z, like that's how they're, they're born and bred, right? They are excited about that opportunity to grow, to learn what's next, you know, and, and they, the, the old concept of a career ladder doesn't really apply to them. It's a lattice you know, that may have diagonal movement, it may have horizontal movement, it may cross multiple employers instead of maybe just one or two over the length of a career. Yeah, so to kind of put it all together in many ways, then those that majored in poli-sci or history or whatever it might have been, they can learn if they so choose and if the agency chooses to enable them to learn it. These skills that you mentioned, say artificial intelligence, machine learning, cloud programming, new programming languages for software development, 5G networking, all of those things that are in short supply, those can be learned by people that necessarily didn't have a a computer science or electrical engineering degree. That's right. Well, and, and think about, you know, there's a, a significant barrier to entry to get that, pol that poli-sci degree, right? That's very expensive and it doesn't always translate to a job. So how do we make more jobs available for people who are growing those specific skill sets, you know, to get into networking, to get into cloud computing, you know, without that huge investment that a lot of people aren't aren't able to make. Um, but that point of continuing to reinvent yourself um, is just, it's so important, you know, for all workers, whether it's in a federal agency or uh, in a private sector company. It sounds like it's also, also necessary for the people doing the hiring and the human resources and Chico functions to reorient their thinking away from the degree kind of type of mode and really look at skills and take that plunge. Well, and, and to think about you know, so we started with assessments, right? What's the role of an assessment and the increasing importance of an assessment in the hiring process? But it's also about, you know, demonstrating that learning and growth and then being able to share that. So maybe I don't have to take the assessment because I've already earned a credential that demonstrates I have that skill um, in moving to the next job. Yeah, um, but it's how do we connect employers 
you know, whether private sector or public sector employers, you know, with universities, with certificate or credentialing programs that put together that skills wallet that I can take with me throughout the course of my career, you know, and, and present as my credentials for employment. All right. On that note, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM U.S. Federal. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is how technology can rev up federal talent and skill development, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. Today's government agencies have a significant gap between the skills they have and the skills they need. How can agencies keep up with talent demands while also meeting their mission objectives? Build and acquire the workforce of the future with IBM. Many agencies have turned to the cloud and artificial intelligence to support the modern workforce. IBM can help you build and acquire the workforce of the future. To learn more, go to federalnewsnetwork.com. Search IBM. Welcome back to our discussion, how technology can rev up federal talent and skill development, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM U.S. Federal, and I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And let's talk about some of the enabling technologies that can help agencies find the technology people or develop the skills and do the workforce planning they need. We talked about artificial intelligence, maybe delve into that a little bit more and what some of the other types of uh, tools that agencies can have to carry out this modern and updated HR strategy. Sure. So, so AI is absolutely top of the list, you know, in, in so many ways. Um, there's the example I think that most people are familiar with, and that's interacting with a virtual agent or a chatbot that's able to give you intelligent responses and answer questions and learns, right, from the, the Q&A that you're having with it. Um, that's so important because it's really a, a force multiplier with your workforce, you know, and, and the type of support services that you can provide to people and to be able to answer questions, you know, when a human being is not available. Um, the other enabler that's absolutely essential there is cloud technology. Um, so getting away from on-prem traditionally siloed systems where it's really difficult to bring data together, you know, and, and moving that to the cloud because the cloud opens up the flexibility, it opens up the scalability, and it makes it possible for these intelligent agents to work across these disparate systems and to harmonize. We talked briefly about structured and unstructured data. Right, so think about structured data is the insight that you have into your workforce in the HR system, but the unstructured data are all the forms and memos and things like that. And to be able to marry that up and, and really have that insight across all of these different data fields and to be able to do it at scale uh, to generate workforce insights. Um, so those, those are absolutely essential. And coming right in close third, I would say is analytics. Right. So how do you have the right set of tools? Do you have the ability and do you have the organizational maturity to really understand and make decisions trusting in the data um, that you've analyzed? And that's an important piece as well. And many agencies are looking and trying to hire and are hiring chief data officers and staffs that support them. In many yep. ways, it seems like one of the top jobs of a data officer is to create data literacy across the programs so people can know what the data officer can do for them. That's right. That's right. Well, and think about, you know, what OPM strategy has been around data science, right? Instead of setting up a whole new classification structure, right, it's how do you add data science into the GS classification structure and make it part of so many other jobs? You know, that's another way it shows how important, you know, analytics and data science is across the board in federal jobs. 
so you can use data science and data analytics to analyze workforce needs, workforce development requirements, and planning too then, is that correct? That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and, and to link to the mission. So think about strategy documents, think about policy documents, think about the, those things that the agency is charged to carry out and understanding what skills are necessary to deliver that mission and then link the workforce to those skills. Now, IBM, I understand, does hiring practices and strategies on behalf of organizations, federal agencies and large corporations. And you're not a manpower, you're not that type of staffing agency, but you do do that function. What do you find are the biggest challenges that you come in and find when you work with an organization? So it can be twofold. Um, part of it may depend on what their current technology footprint is. Um, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of technology from an applicant tracking system that manages the recruiting and the hiring piece all the way through to onboarding, you know, and, and how big a jump we're helping them make from their current approach is to that modern cloud-based AI enabled approach. And then it can also be that managed services change. Um, so the it's absolutely essential, right, that, that the employees of the company or the agency, like they're the ones that are making those decisions, right? But how we support them and getting used to working in a different model, maybe with some different business processes, like that's a, a huge amount of stakeholder and change management to, to help people work in a new way and, and learn and to see what the benefits are. It sounds like maybe there's a case to be made for a little bit of reform in how the government looks at the workforce writ large, because in many ways it has a 50s or 40s look as if there were lots of typists and lots of clerks and lots of filing types of people, when really, as you say, people are on a matrix of technologies and anal analytical types of jobs, where much of the function that used to be done by all those low-level GS types of people have been largely automated. So, so true. And the supporting evidence for that argument is look at how many different hiring authorities the government has established, you know, just in the last several years, um, trying a prototype system for cybersecurity personnel, um, the schedule A through this most recently announced schedule F, you know, exceptions to the GS personnel system. Um, I think a fabulous, audacious goal for the incoming administration was to give themselves a year to reform the system. Um, it's a massive undertaking, but there's so much information. If you look at all the different position descriptions, all the personnel structures, and the data that they have about the people who are doing those different jobs, and the data that they have, like it's a great use case for artificial intelligence. Um, to go in, to work with all that data, to look at the competencies and skill structure that's been built across um, multiple industries and to come up with a, a new revised structure that gives the flexibility to the agencies to meet their hiring needs while preserving those really important principles of comparability and consistency across agencies. All right, lots to think about and some good advice from our guest today is Emily Craig. She's a partner for Talent and Transformation at IBM U.S. Federal. Great having you on. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Career Guide.
Thank you for listening to the discussion, How Technology Can Rev Up Federal Talent and Skill Development, sponsored by IBM on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission.